Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 411th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that gives you a clue on how to investigate the cardboard suspected of murdering your bank account. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I am your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, a.k.a. at Word of Commander on Twitter. And we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. As always, I'm looking forward to diving into all the developments of the week. But before we do, I want to remind all of our listeners that this show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com. Save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on the agenda this week? We're going to lead off this week talking about a couple of modern challenges that happened over the weekend. Some uh, really neat stuff going on there. Segment two is our top movers in paper, followed by our top movers online. In segment four, our cards to watch. You and I have our picks for the week. And then our topic, we've got two big things that have gone on. Since last week, we've had almost all of Murders at Karlov Manor spoiled. And uh, we had a secret lair that I hope you got a piece of. Alrighty, let's kick things off here with the metagame week in review. We're going to go back in with a double dose of the modern challenge action on Magic Online. From January 19th, I believe that was this past Friday, Blue-Red Merktide took the whole thing down. We have four-color Omnath in third with four the one ring, three Omnath and four Solitude. Creativity combo with four Archon of Cruelty in fourth, making a... Uh, uh, Repri- uh, I guess a bit of a surprise reappearance. It's been off the radar for a little bit. Jeskai Breach with four the one ring in fifth. Shardless Footfalls in sixth and seventh, both running some combination of Flame of Anor and Tidebinder. Uh, Tashana's Tidebinder out of LCI. And then four color Omnath with Again, four ring, four Omnath, four Solitude. The most interesting deck here is the continued presence of Mono Black Coffers, finishing second on the tournament with three the one ring of their own, and then four March of Wretched Sorrow alongside four Karn the Great Creator. Those March cards out of Neo are, you know, it's the white one was big right from the get-go. Right. But... The blue one is seeing a bunch of play in standard right now in the Rot Priest deck, I believe. And right. now we have the black one as a four of in modern. I mean, that's that's going to be the bulk that keeps on giving out of Neo. Well, uh, in a deck where you're hitting up Coffers and Urborg so that you're going to get ridiculous mana, they're not looking necessarily to pitch cards. They will pitch cards if they need to, but there's not a lot of actual like black cards that get pitched. And this will just, uh, you know, smash whatever creature you need and gain you some life. I mean, what's you want these awesome X spells when you're playing a Cabal, uh, Cabaltic Coffers deck. And these guys, they're loaded for bear. They had three Demolition Field and four Field of Ruin. I hope people were playing enough basics in their deck because sometimes this gets to a level where they can't 
The uh, fourth one ring in this deck, by the way, is in the sideboard because it's a Karn deck as well. So you play Karn, you fetch your ring if you need to. I also appreciate a Singleton Stone of Eric in the main deck. You're just ready to do this. This wasn't even running a Urza Saga to go find the stone. It was just in the deck that you could use uh, Profane Tutor to go get. Well, that's pretty slow for that card. Overall, something like seven or eight different archetypes running around in Modern that run three or four copies of the One Ring, plus all the EDH action, plus all the Legacy and Vintage and Cube action. I mean, it's not hard to see why the, the card is on the rise in pretty much all versions. We've also got the Modern Challenge 96 that was on Saturday, and I believe that was actually 174 players in that one. This one had Black Red Scam in first and second, and seventh and eighth, so... <laughs> Yeah, they took a bite out of the deck, but it's still showing up pretty much week after week. You've got Blue-Red Murktide in 4th here, Black-Green Yawgmoth in 5th, Creativity Combo showing up again in 6th. And then the most interesting deck here is the Teamer Aggro build that runs 4 Dragon Rage Channeler, 4 Monastery Swift Spear, 3 Questing Druid out of Wilds of Eldraine, 4 Soul Scar Mage, and then 21 Instants and Sorceries alongside 3 Underworld Breach and Mishra's Bobble to just get in fast, hit hard, and try to end the game by turn 4. It seems pretty great. Uh, I do love also the presence of Alpine Moon, the one mana trying to uh, mess up your opponent's big land plan. Um, that's a one... That's probably going to be there to deal with coffers, but you've got this, you've got uh, a lot of things that just low to the ground, and by the time your plan is done, you're dead. You know, between Lava Dart having a free flashback and uh, Mutagenic Growth being another free spell, those free spells, they can be a real problem in Modern. A lot of action over in the top paper movers of the week. Galadrim Brigade Borderless out of the LTC cards from this November, $350 to $5. Just a strong elf card that is likely to see steady gains for as long as it stays out of print. Eldrazi Temple has one fancy version of note. That's the Borderless Secret Layer version. It went 15 to 30 uh, over the last couple of weeks. Nearly sold out on TCG Player. There are still Zuladoc decks running around from the summertime, and there's a whole bunch of other Eldrazi you can build around as well for EDH, and I would imagine that is the premise on this card. Stalactite Stalker Extended Arts out of LCI, $1.50 to $3. That's going to be modern play, standard play, and some pioneer play backing that one up. We've also got Athari Sun's Glory, an ONC card. So that's uh, Commander decks uh, and Collector Boosters from the one release last uh, spring dollar fifty to three dollars. That's going to be the Jetmere deck that was released in Secret Layer form today. I would imagine somebody took a swipe at this, thinking this is a good token generator to turn uh, the tokens it creates into dogs and cats. That seems good. I mean, it's five mana for the three three flying lifelink haste. Whenever it attacks, you get the counter. Then you get the token that's tapped and attacking. So there's a lot that this card will do. And even if you want to get your Rebels involved and you didn't want to pay the full five mana, it seems like a card that will do some work. So I'm impressed at people putting this in. It's nice and recursive. Venerated Rot Priest Extended Art. I remember these spiking like to $20 during the first couple of weeks of release and selling right. every single copy I had my hands on. 
as fast as I possibly could. And sure enough, they sank way back down. This They were at $3 and just recently doubled up again from 3 to 6 on the back of that standard deck running them. And, you know, maybe it finds a home in modern at some point in the future, but I, I would imagine that, uh, you know, these probably peak at 10 to 15 best case over the next six months, uh, assuming it con- continues to do well in standard. We've got the Talisman of Indulgence retro... Uh, secret layer going i don't think it's a foil i think this is actually the non-foil if i'm not mistaken going 10 to 20 that's over the course of a year not just the last week or so and worth flagging because we at one point told people that they should just go ahead and get these secret layers and look to parcel them out as sets or something on ebay to collectors and edh players that might just want to have matching sets of these in the collection and indeed i i most of them look like they're gonna they're gonna gain that ground given enough time, so looking pretty good. Ixidor Reality Sculptor out of Onslaught is an old morph uh, general card, and foils went twenty two to forty five or so. There's two different morph style mechanics. I'm not convinced EDH players care about being so finicky with their permanents, but I guess we'll see how that plays out. I mean, how many copies needed to sell to move? Like, how many copies of Ixidor do you think were in foil available online? Five? There's, There's been like three or four sets that have introduced concepts that have made people reach for these as a spec, and it's been a roller coaster of, of collapse. <laughs> sure. Sure, it gets hot, and then nobody cares because it's a very mediocre card. Well, and just because there there hasn't there's no there's no standout morph or whatever the other morph like mechanics are called uh, disguise yeah whatever they all are there's like five, four or five of them now and none of them matter because there's not a a commander in the top fifty that cares about any of that. Jace the Perfected Mind foils out of one nine to eighteen hundred percent gains. It's been uh, seeing uh, some standard play as of late. We have Derevi Imperial Tactician out of Commander twenty thirteen six to twelve dollars. I have no idea what's moving the needle on that, other than that it's an old commander. There's uh, a, I think that was just the oldest one. I mean, you've got. Uh, an anthology version, and you've got an etched foil in Commander Legends that's not much more expensive than that. So maybe somebody thinks, you know, oh, with cats and dogs being cool, how about some birds? I don't know. We've also got Merkwood Bats, Showcase Scroll, Foils, $1.50 to $4. I called these to go to 5 about a month ago, so this is just uh, the follow-on to that. Dark Ritual Borderless Secret Layer by the old D&D artist going 20 to 55. This is, again, not over the last week, but over the last year. These have more than doubled up, heading for a triple. And that's just a single card out of that layer. And that layer was available for, I think it was normal price, 40 for the foils. But if it wasn't, it was 50 for the foils. Either way, this card covers the whole thing, so you're good to go. Yeah, it's a cool-looking Dark Ritual, and uh, hopefully folks got their hands on it. It's more than a year old, so it's had time to mature, and hopefully you get what you want. And it shows how a really good version of a card that has a bajillion versions can still break out. We see this over and there, over again. There really are bajillion versions of this. You know, it's in the Mystical Archive. It's got Surge Foils. It's in the, you know, you got the retro thing going on with the 30th anniversary packs and that's before you get to like the million times they've printed this card 
but you give it it's even got like a super duper uh secret layer promo version that you could really go for if you want Animation module out of Kaladesh, dollar four fifty, three hundred and fifty percent gains. I'm imagining people spotted a combo with uh, one of the new cards this week on that. Sibylline Soothsayer, surge foils out of Doctor Who, looks suspiciously targeted. Two fifty to twelve. There's basically none left on TCG player. This is only in one percent of red decks since its release in Doctor Who. It's definitely a good card in the fourteenth Doctor builds, like any of the ones that are trying to cast spells from Exile. This thing fits in nicely, as you would imagine, since it was designed for that deck. But why somebody decided to clean out these particular surge foils, I couldn't tell you. When it comes into play, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal something with mana value three or greater. Exile that with three time counters on it and gate and suspend. So you don't get to cast it. So yes, you would need some shenanigans to make it happen, and it's just a random top of the deck three or greater. Weird. Okay, yeah. I don't know anything that's come along to make it spike so hard, so we'll see if people can actually sell at this price. I mean, there's 2,260 decks for the 10th Doctor. Sorry, not the 14th. The 10th Doctor is the 3-5 for 5 that says whenever you attack exile cards in the top of your library until you exile a non-land card... You put three time counters on it and suspend it, etc. The that's a solid number if you compare it to the top commanders of the past month. Twenty two sixty would put it in the top five over the course of a month, but of course it's had three months to get there, so it's probably in the top forty, and it's just not showing up in the way that EDH Rec is parsing the stats. Right. All right, moving on over to top Magic Online movers of the week. We have Caves of Chaos Adventurer out of Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate, 5.29 ticks to 9.09 ticks. That's going to be legacy uh, ancient tomb decks driving that. Merktide Region out of MH2, 9.47 ticks to 16.38. That's 73%. Continued presence in modern and legacy. And I would... Uh, Guess that this is a tweak to the treasure chests, like the drop rate for this card, since nobody's drafting MH2 anymore, and they got more rare, would be my assumption. Inti Seneschal of the Sun at a LCI, 2.37 ticks to 6.01, that's 154% gains or so. This thing is seeing play all over the place, standard, pioneer, modern, I think... LSV did a little TikTok video or something talking about this is the best new addition to Cube. Um, from this set, and it's I think they've moved it into the Vintage Cube on Magic Online, and yeah, just seeing a very broad play pattern, and I am not will not be surprised if this ends up a $10 rare within the year. That seems likely. I mean, we're about to stop having as much uh, LCI opened at this point. It had a chance to get super cheap in paper, and it has stayed close to $5, and it's going to have a very long time to get expensive. So this one ending up at 10 at some point seems pretty reasonable. The question is, have we reached uh, maximum supply in paper so far? Notably, this is like one of the few cards to watch out for that has no connection to Commander. This does not, it's not even in the top 30 LCI cards for Commander. I mean, there's going to be some synergies, especially, you know, you, Red wants to discard cards, so you might be able to uh, do it. And, you know, something with Faithless Looting, all of a sudden you've got access to four more cards. 
Looking at cards to watch, I'm going to take a thing and it's time to take a swipe at the Great Henge Surge Foils. Everybody was all up in arms about how they reprinted these Surge Foils, and certainly people that bought early got burned. I'm, I'm looking at, <laughs> on my desk, yeah. I have a $600 Glittering Caves of Algorand Surge Foil that I think is under 100 for sure, which will is just loss. Pure loss. However, oh, oh, you you want to bellyache, Mister? How many cereals did you open? Yeah, I did open two cereals this week. That's true. Yeah, there you go. That said, Great Hand Surge foils are draining out under under sixty dollars, even in Europe, and fifty five to sixty five looks like what you can pick them up for over there on TCG Player. These are already at eighty dollars, and very unlikely for a whole bunch of these to just magically appear into the market. Great Henge, of course, is one of the best green cards printed in the last five years. Never been sad to run it in a green deck in EDH. Always happy to see it show up in my hand. And I think if you target these in Europe at 60 to sell somewhere between 90 and 100, you can look, you're looking at 30 or 50% gains minus fees and shipping. And given that they're already 80 on TCG Player and you're in the US, you're probably not going to have trouble making this work. I would be, I mean, first of all, if you've got the European connection, you're ready to take on the shipping. Uh, that's that, This is absolutely a great deal. I am looking at TCG Player right now, and there are surge foil listings for the party tree. There are right now one, two, this person has three at 95, but there are five copies. So there's a total of eight copies under $100 at all in any condition there's one lightly played foil and the rest are near mint you're right with the reprint in the holiday edition uh the these were much easier to pull from the holiday edition but i imagine a lot of these did not make it into circulation and so you know there's a lot of money to be made here this might be an excellent candidate to just be a a pick here in the u.s uh because what how many is it going to take for these to move you know there's going to be five people who need to buy a great hinge, and then you're looking at, all right, everything's nearly 100, so this is a rock-solid pick. What were you going to say? I was going to flag that you and I had noted when we did the math on the holiday release that, yes, the reprint was significantly more than used to exist, but it wasn't that big of a reprint. And it's a, a known, uh, what, what what's the word I want? There's like a, not a huge quantity, and uh, again, like the the market just soaked up all of these. So I don't think there's going to, there's definitely no more holiday edition coming. There's uh, no more com collector boosters coming. So now you're just stuck with whatever you pull from the regular packs. And those would be the crazy, I don't even think they had surge foils in the regular packs, did they? No. Nope. I think you could only pull non-foil realms and relics from the regular packs. That sounds right. Yeah, so there's not going to be a lot more of these coming. And if you want the special version, you better hurry up and get it. All right, what's your first selection? Uh, my first pick this week uh, was looking at some of the secret layers that have done well and getting ready to pop off. And I think one of them that's ready is Risen Reef out of one of the secret layers that was uh, all the way back in last year. One of the drops, you can get the foils and the non-foils for near the same price. Um, the They're both around, depending on where you're looking, they're around six to seven dollars. I'm picking them to go uh, right now from about eight to sixteen because the 
cheapest ones plus shipping and everything. You're going to be around $8. You might get away a little bit cheaper. But um, considering that there's only 27 vendors total and nobody has huge, huge walls, one person has a dozen copies, but they've got their foils at $30, so I'm not really worried about those. And I think that given the card's popularity in Elemental's builds, it doesn't have a huge EDH rec number. It's only at 32,000 decks. But if you're playing Elementals, this is a card you have to have. And this is one of the sweetest versions. And this is mainly a supply version, uh, supply play, because there's just hardly any left. So a few people are going to buy them. And then all of a sudden, these are going to be 10. A few more people buy it. And then it's 15 to 20 and watch out. Yeah, I mean, there's just hardly any inventory left. What we're seeing That's with Secret Layers is until they wreck us by announcing Secret Layer Masters. Oh, watch your mouth, sir. Watch <laughs> which, your mouth. Which I'm still convinced will appear on the horizon in the next couple of years. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that like they, they've probably heard you say that before, so the idea has already entered their head. But my God, like some some you're right, some inventories are gonna get wrecked to hell by Secret Layer Masters. I, I'm, we're going to get to the point where there's so few copies floating around of a lot of the secret layers, they're going to be able to justify that release because they're just going to say, like, why not? Like, we're, <laughs> look how high some of these things are floating. If we can give you $5 Risen Reefs that somehow ended up at 25 and there's going to be there's going to be hundreds of great looking cards and picture how wild those packs will be to open. I would love to draft a secret layer masters set. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Just so, I mean, the it cards seems inevitable to me. However, yeah. in the current circumstance where we don't know about that product at all, there's only a couple double handfuls of these left on North American websites, and then they're going to dry up and head towards 20. So I, I think this looks completely reasonable. The other one on my desk that's painful, but can still be your big win. Um, if you dodge the, <laughs> problems of midsummer that so many collectors walk themselves into uh, i've got a minus mortal cabal coffers surge foil on my desk that i apparently i bought in mid-june for four hundred dollars and you can currently get those at 35 and i'm that's more than 10 times reduction uh, on that reprint but now they're just too low and there isn't that many left and here's the thing that mono black deck is starting to make the rounds in modern and they're running four copies so between the massive amount of EDH demand, where this is in 216,000 reported decks, and it being a cube card and all sorts of things, and it just being Minas Morgul being a cool, iconic location from Lord of the Rings and being a collectible in its own right, I love these at 35 to go to 60 in the next year. Let's see. This is a Surge Foil, right? Yep. So... There's the Modern Horizons Borderless, and then you've got the original, like in the old border, then you've got the Friday Night Magic version. Like, all of these seem good, and I I think you're right, that this is a fantastic pick for all the reasons that we talked about. We're not going to get a lot more of them just magically showing up. It's an intimidating card. It's a very cool piece of art to lay down. Surge foil looks great, even double-sleeved. Yeah, especially to, to grab your personal copies, there's hardly any left. Like, 47 vendors, and they don't even have the four-of button, so nobody has four-of. So get what you can. It's a real steep it. ramp between 30 and 70 on TCG I Player might, right now at Near Mint. I might need to go, because I've got just a... 
I need to go look in my IR deck and see what version of coffers I've got in there. I think I've got something special, but I want to make sure before uh, everybody listens and buys up the copies under $50. All right. How about your final pick here? Uh, I've been looking at uh, some of the cards that I play in uh, monocolor commander decks, and one of them that jumps out at me is Scepter of Eternal Glory, which is from the uh, 40k decks. There's another one where the supply is uh, pretty minuscule. You've got only uh, 29 vendors and almost nobody has a bunch of copies. It's four mana, taps for a mana of any color, or taps for three mana of any one color, only if you have three or more lands with the same name. So it's a really efficient mana rock. It's better than a Thran Dynamo if you have three lands of the same name. In Commander, that means three of the same basic. So this is mostly a card that pops up in non-green decks as a ramp tool. But uh, I think that because it's a 40k card, we haven't seen any strong reprints of these IP things yet and i'm sure that they are working on how to do that like they can go back and do another round of 40k decks but we've seen a lot of surge foils go crazy in the time since 40k came out and this one be is pretty much ready to pop i think given that it's already up it's gone up about a dollar and a half in the last four months so it's ready to start really ramping up and you should definitely get your personal copies and a couple of spec copies along the way would probably go down real nice. These pre-sold for 35 or so dropped all the way down to 12 by mid-August and then slowly rebounded up a couple bucks since then. So this this looks like the right timing. We've only got 22 near mint listings left. Overall inventory is relatively shallow. Another steep curve. I, I think these are going to drain out. The other thing is I don't think they're going to have a very easy time reprinting all this uh, unique IP. First of all, the internal resources, legal resources to pursue those reprints. If you just want to reprint one card, let's say it's the One Ring. I was about that, to say the One Ring. That might be an like important enough card that you go back to the table and negotiate. But <laughs> it's going to be a very rare occurrence where they handle those by just completely renaming them and then put the One Ring underneath. You know what I'm saying? Like the, right. the ring of power and then underneath it, the one ring. And between your fallouts and your your um, arcanes, your street fighters, your 40Ks, your all these different things they're going to be doing over the next couple of years, it's going to be tough to find slots to go back and tackle these outside of things like the list. That's really like that. Even Secret Layers has issues like licensing issues. So... I think a lot of this stuff that's that's coming out on the universes beyond side of things is going to be just less likely to catch reprints. And especially if they're mid-tier cards like this, where even if they went back and if, if they announced they were doing more 40k decks in the fall, I would not expect this to be included. Because this re- refers to a very specific set of aliens. And they're going to do four new sets next time. It's not going to be the same four sets. They would do like one of the human armies and then three more alien armies. I mean, there's a lot of lore they didn't touch in 40k. Yeah. Yeah. Tons. So they they won't, they won't touch this stuff again. That's just Necron based, not for ages. So what I'm waiting for, and they they haven't done it yet, 
I don't think is we haven't really gotten, aside from the holiday Lord of the Rings release, which we knew was coming and they announced it relatively early, we haven't really seen a reprint of any of this Universes Beyond stuff, aside from reskinning the uh, some of the early stuff like the Walking Dead and the Street Fighter and the Stranger Things who got uh, functional reprints. So... Uh, that's the only thing I'm looking out for. Like I'm looking out for, do they give us another card with the same functionality, the way that they they reskinned, you know, uh, humans and Stranger Things and whatnot, or do they uh, actually fight for whatever is necessary from an intellectual property copyright trademark standpoint to reprint a card? Because we haven't seen it yet. I think it's inevitable that we do. I think the One Ring will end up being the card the card that they fight for. That's the pivot but, point where, where they're yeah. going to... The play is so broad, they're going to have to figure out a way to put more of them in the market. I don't think they're going to bother because they said Lord of the Rings is going to be available uh, for a long time, at least in regular. And if people want to go crazy about premium versions, well then, God bless them. I don't think Wizards minds the fact that the only it, place you can get new copies of the One Ring is through regular boosters. The thing is, it's not profitable to crack uh, Lord of the Rings boosters randomly. And now that the pressure, the hype cycle has moved on, no one's going to be doing that. So there aren't going to be nearly enough One Rings entering the market over the next 12 months versus demand. And the price is going to keep going up. Unless the unless there are unless up, there yeah. are additional Lord of the Rings products already approved that we just haven't heard about that they're going to drop into the pipeline. Entirely possible. So on this list of four, the Great Hinge, Surge, Foil, Risen Reef, Borderless, uh, Minas Morgul, and the Scepter of Glory, how would you rank these? We haven't done this in a couple of shows. but mm, I think the Cabal Coffer Surge Foils are the surest thing here. I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that the Risen Reef is probably a close second, but the Great Hinge... Like is such a mega staple that that's might be second as well. Like these are all really good picks. I'm impressed with us this week. Pretty solid, I think. All right, let's move on to the secret layer update. We talked about the cats and dogs deck, I think last week or the week before. It dropped this morning at noon EST. It sold out, I think, six hours later. They had warned everybody that secret layer releases were not necessarily going to just be left open for a month anymore uh they were going to print x amount they're not going to tell us how much they're printing and if they sell out they sell out some will some won't and the cat and dog deck had a cute enough art and a couple of key reprints in anointed procession uh and some really nice art on soul ring and Jetmere and Ginny fey and this is a deck i play i, I i've had Ginny fey built pretty much since it came out so I'll be happy to have these updates available to me, but I, I picked up four of the deck at 150, shipped free, looking to exit at 250 or so. There was people on Facebook offering 300 this evening that missed out. Ooh, hot. So I'd be messaging them. I'd be sending a message right now if somebody's offering 300 or if I'd been able to buy the deck. We had plenty of pro traders that were doubtful about whether this was actually going to be a thing but once something sells out everybody tends to fall into FOMO mode well 
you know, we we just have uh, the example of the Angel deck uh, really taking off, and that was a deck that did not sell out, if I recall correctly. So, like, we just had the Angel deck sell out. Uh, the Coin Flip deck did well, eventually. And I think that the getting all of these uh, good things, especially some of the lands, some of the lands are super cute. So we know that pets are popular to do with magic. Like folks are going to want this because, oh, that's my doggy or my cat because they have both. And so I'm not surprised that this sold out. I would imagine, like, and you throw it in your thoughts here. I would guess that the number of decks they had ready to go was pretty close to the Angel deck. I I think they sold something close to 20,000 units today. Okay. We have to take a look at the widest spread on order numbers and then take a guess at what the average order size was. Um, typically, order average order size is going to be pretty close to one. It's going to get pulled up by the you know the 10 or 20% of vendors that order the full four or five. But... I would imagine average order is still something like 1.3 or something like that. Yeah, it's 1.5 at most. Sure. So based on the, we know that the order spread at one point, we tagged two orders just from two different pro traders at two different times a few hours apart. And it was like a 13,000 order number spread. Now they, they are not, you have to double check to make sure that they are actually using sequential ordering, sequential numbers on the orders. But assuming that they are, I would imagine we landed somewhere between 20,000 and 30,000 units here. That sounds about right. And given the the hype around Angels and the the uh, level to which it had gotten, um, I'm not surprised that this sold out. And I'm bummed. I'm just bummed that I was going to wait till after school to order mine because I thought I'd have more than a few hours to do this. So... But I noticed that, you know, before my sixth period was done, all the pro traders like, sold out, sorry, crap. Yeah, you pretty much, I think for the rest, the next few months at least, uh, especially now that this one sold out, people are going to start assuming that that's possible on any of the good stuff. So when they drop the next six or seven releases in a couple weeks, be prepared for the top two or three of those to be targeted pretty hard as well and potentially sell out. I don't think you want to wait on secret layers anymore. I think you just want to identify what's good and go ahead and commit. That means, you know, being pre-logged in on your mobile browser, even if you're at work and just stepping out for five minutes to close the deal. Uh, I think I ended up in the queue system and it was supposedly 50 minutes, but within 25 I was in and I just kept kind of switching back and forth as I was doing work. If they did sell 20,000 units, that's a cool 3 million just off that little mini release. Yeah, it's hard to argue with a, a total like that. And this is going to look good on their bottom line. And I think you're definitely right about, first of all, I shouldn't assume that I'll have time. But secondly, the fact that this one sold out is really going to encourage the fear of missing out in future secret layers. I mean, this is a deck, so the decks are naturally naturally going to have lower print runs than the $40 layers, just through a price point analysis. Sure. A $150 thing is not going to sell anywhere near as many as a $40 thing. So I, I think it's entirely possible that when they give us eight in a couple weeks, one or two of them might sell out, and the rest will not. 
I mean, people are going to have their favorites. If we'd had something like this going on with the last few Secret Lairs, you know, The Princess Bride probably would have sold out. Uh, Evil Dead probably would have sold out. And keep in mind, we know that they've played games with us in the past because when the thirtieth anniversary when the thirtieth anniversary pack sold out, they did not sell out. They just pulled the sale. <laughs> we we know for a fact that they 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 only, they sold low single digit thousand units of that product. So I would not put it past them to have ended this early to up the hype cycle, and you know now they'll have plenty for people to win at prize walls and whatnot. All right, we can move it on move on over to the mkm spoilers from this week this is kind of the the second half of the set we're getting the look at throughout the week there's still a few more days of previews to come after this cast so we'll wrap it up next week and and give our final tally but i think it's safe to say that what we've seen in the last five days or so since we recorded is the better half of the reveals kick things off here with delny streetwise lookout a human scout legend for two and a white that is a two two and it has two abilities, both of them pretty cool. Creatures you control with power 2 or less can't be blocked by, by creatures with power 3 or greater. Really good in Ginny Fey decks if you're running hasty cats that haven't been buffed in some way. If an ability of a creature you control with power 2 or less triggers, that ability triggers an additional time. That's the juicy part. So that, that means is... Imperial Recruit Oof. or Recruiter of the Guard go tutor twice. It means that Esper Sentinel triggers are doubled. Yes. The one thing it, it doesn't do is if it if a card has a clause on it that says this triggers only once per turn, yes, you'll get two triggers, but it says something like you will, you will still not get the second uh, go-round on anything that, that – uh, like the va- the welcoming vampire, like you won't get two draws off that or two draws off of a morbid opportunist. Are you sure about that? I mean, I've I've had – Stuff where things multi-trigger in arena, and the second one doesn't resolve. It maybe I'm wrong. It it could be, but it, huh. it triggers. But if it says this ability can uh, happen only once each turn, let me see. It says the ability triggers an additional time. So like the the restriction you're referring to on say welcoming vampire, I would assume is limited by its own text. But this is just doubling the triggers that appear on the stack, like the instances that appear on the stack. So. I, I don't think the card would stop it, but that's a very good question for a judge. Yeah, we'll have to get to that. But bottom line, this card is going to do a lot of work. <laughs> there's a it, there's a lot of broken ass uh, commanders who will love having this in the ninety nine. Uh, what's the one who re- re- brings back Tishav, uh, the apostle who brings back stuff when you cast historic? Like that's just going to go crazy. Yeah, you've also got rune decks, right? And. Yeah there's all sorts of things that this works with keep in mind it doesn't work with activated abilities only triggered abilities so some of the stuff you're looking at at first glance isn't going to work but i would expect delny as a mythic not a rare to age pretty well because i think it has very broad applications in edh i expect people to soak it up over time yeah probably the closest thing to an s tier staple i saw come out of this is archdruid's charm which is a very very pushed magic card triple green for an instant Choose one. Search your library for a creature or land card and reveal it. Put it onto the battlefield tapped if it's a land card, otherwise put it in your hand. So it tutors lands into play and tutors creatures into hand at instant speed. 
Or, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control, it deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control. So your fail case is probably that you're going to uh, do a one-sided punch to a key problematic creature on somebody's board. And then the backup condition of exiling target artifact or enchantment, you always have a target for that EDH. You're going to get rid of anything from a soul ring to a Ristic study to an esper sentinel to a mystic remora to a ether flux reservoir or a bolus of citadel yeah, impact tremors and on and on and on and on there's always targets for these abilities this is just so so flexible i can't see why i wouldn't find room for this in pretty much any green deck this is like going to be you're exactly right there's three very useful very good modes whether you're going to find the the land that's most broken in your deck, you know, Gaia's Cradle, or uh, untapped target elf land, or you want to go find your Glacial Chasm, if you've got that going. Whatever it is, find your broken land, find your broken creature. Like, I'm going to forget that this finds creatures so often, because I'm going to fixate on the punch and the exiling or the land find, but it's creatures as well. Like, this is a ridiculously flexible card. And it does all of these things for three mana. It's a difficult mana at triple green. But my god, like, you're getting... you Like you said, there's always going to be something that you need to do with this card. And you are right. It should go in just about every deck that can consistently cast triple green. We're also living in an era where there are plenty of commanders that are either artifact creatures or enchantment creatures. <laughs> and this yes. just goes ahead and exiles them. So Bang extra extra utility it's it's just top tier utility so i would expect this to be a very popular card uh likewise we have slime against humanity as the latest persistent practitioners uh rats what's the rat i'm thinking of rat colony or or rat colony yeah uh but or it, relentless green, rats. this is slime yeah. against humanity two and a green for a sorcery create a zero zero green ooze creature token with trample Put X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is two plus the total number of cards you own in exile and in your graveyard that are oozes or are named Slime Against Humanity. A deck can have any number of cards named Slime Against Humanity. So the first take on this for EDH is just Atraxa. You, I already sure. have three versions of Atraxa built. I have Poison Atraxa, <laughs> I have Planeswalkers Atraxa, and I have Creature Counters Matters Atraxa. That deck, I can go ahead, if I feel like it, and take 10, 20, or 30 creatures out and just put that many slime against humanity in, and it's just going to be extremely annoying to play against. Because you're already running things like Hardened Scales and Ozolith and so forth that are increasing the number of counters, so you're not even getting a 2-2 the first time in in a deck like that. You're getting a 3-3 or a 4-4, and then the next one is going to be bigger and bigger and bigger and so forth. And you can run as many as you want. It's only a common, but I would imagine foils to this are absolutely worth targeting when they're brickable early on because this is going to see a lot more play than something like persistent partition, <laughs> persistent partitioners. And it's more, it's just a, an aggressive attacky build of a, really strong commander that has a bunch of different ways to build it so even if people like build it like this and then take it apart later and and switch into a different mode they still bought the 20 30 or 40 copies right and this is you know there's a lot of broken things you can do with it i think my favorite combo with it is going to be mizzix mastery in some kind of uh red green 
shell. Uh, I think I've, I posted a few different things on the Discord when I saw it spoiled. But you're going to start off with, you know, 30 copies of this, 40 copies of this in your deck. And just cast for three mana, you're going to get to six, seven, eight power really quickly. And it doesn't mind if you have exiled them. It doesn't need to be in the graveyard. It can be exiled. So if you go with Mizzix Mastery, you're just going to get all of it at once, which just, you know, makes a body happy. So I, I agree that we're going to see some great chances at bricking these, and I'm trying to decide what my early buy price would be if I saw a brick of 100. Would I be in at, I think I'd be in at a dollar to start off with, or do you think that's too high or low? That's about as much as the most I would pay. I would hope to get it 25 25 cents, 50 cents, a dollar. I don't think you're going to get that chance. Well, here's the thing. This is actually even more busted than at first glance, given the kinds of decks it's going to go into, because it's not a creature with this ability on it. It's a token. token. So Parallel Lives and Anointed Procession give you two of the token. Hmm. Well, you know, Doubling Season gives you two four fours. Exactly. (laughs) Doubling Season doubles the counters and the token. So and there's. And there's a whole bunch of cards that do similar things now. So, yeah, Slamming is Mandy, very good for, for what it is. A very uh, elegant design. There's a card here that I didn't see anybody else even, you know, put a, a flag up on today, but definitely caught my attention. Treacherous Greed is an instant for one white black. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sack a creature that dealt damage this turn. So you have to get in, and you're probably in some kind of, like, black-white spirit tokens deck or something. But there's multiple commanders that that revolve around that principle. It also works in things like Markov when you're getting vampires in. And you're getting the free vampires off Markov. You, you cast a vampire, you get a free vampire token. And you get that vampire token in the next turn. And then you Treacherous Greed at instant speed. If they block it, I mean, if they didn't block it, you get the damage in. And then you're, after that, you're going to give up a token you don't care about. You're going to draw three and have a six-point life swing against each opponent so each opponent loses three and you gain three so you go up three they lose nine total and you draw three cards for three mana that seems very playable it really does um this is gonna do a lot of work i think i don't think it'll be expensive but i think we're gonna see it in a lot of decks in certain kinds of decks it's just gonna be really good yeah i agree with that uh undergrowth recon Pretty close to a, a staple, by all accounts. One double green for an enchantment that basically gives you a new Crucible of Worlds. Uh, at the be- beginning of your upkeep, return target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. The beauty of this thing is, if you're in a deck like the Jund Windgrace decks or something that care about uh, recycling lands for value in EDH, this plays on top of Crucible of Worlds. And what's the other right. one? Crucible of... It's the the no. The, you're thinking. I think you're thinking of Remnant Excavator, where you get no, no. lands from your graveyard. No, no. But there's that too. But I'm thinking of the four mana green artifact, Crucible of. Oh, uh, that one that lets you play lands from your graveyard and then tap to do the thing. Yeah. Oh, it's not. You're right. There's a lot of ways to to keep replaying your stuff, but most importantly, the for good or for ill, this does not interfere with your regular land drop. So you can't do busted fast bond things with it. Well, that was my point, was that if you have Crucible end this out or some other effect that's letting you play lands out of the graveyard as your land drop, you also get this land back on top. Right. Which is crazy. You get, 
everything. You get all of it all at once. And so, so if you're if you're the kind of lunatic that risks friendships by putting strip mine and wasteland <laughs> in your EDH deck and then going to town with cards like this, you're you you just can end all your relationships at, at one sitting. Yeah, it's it's pretty busted. I I'm going to see a lot of people do a lot of things with this. Uh, it's really sick with. Uh, not just fetch lands, but the uh, Streets of New Capenna fetch lands. Uh, everybody wants to do that because you immediately get it and the land comes in tapped anyway, but you gain the life and you get to do that every turn. Gain a life and find a basic out of your deck. That's going to be pretty hard to argue with. Yeah, so th- this one... fetch lands the, will take you two turns. This one and Archdruid's Charm, probably the, the top two most likely to be played that I've seen so far. We've also got Corporeal projection blue and a red for a sorcery it's a rare it's possible people overlook this card but they shouldn't this looks very nasty target creature you control gains myriad until end of turn which means when it attacks you make temporary token copies of that attacking creature and they attack one of one of them attacks each of your opponents so say you're attacking with an old gnawbone you cast corporal projection you have three old gnawbones attacking they all hit for seven and you gain 21 treasures. No, you D20 no, treasures. So you get 30 treasure on average in no, that situation. Uh, old Gnawbone deal. Whenever a creature deals damage, you get that many treasure. But if you've got three old... No, you got three old Gnawbones. So you're, each one is going to see the all of them trigger. So you're going to get 21 times 362 tokens. Oh, yeah. That's disgusting. Okay, yeah. So there's going to be a lot of things like that that make Corpo Projection pretty good. But it gets better. It's got an overload mo- mode like good old Cyclonic Rift. This one is three double blue, double red. So that's seven mana. That's not inconsequential. But if you do that, then all of your creatures get myriad until end of turn. And that's probably game. I should hope the hell so. In in Ur-Dragon, it better be. I mean, you know, let's let's be honest. If I'm doing something like that, are people going to wait around for me to find out just how dead they are? Yeah, probably not. So def- this, this looks like a card to keep your eye on because I bet you it gets cheap if it doesn't see any standard Pioneer play, um, which it probably won't because Myriad doesn't mean nearly as much there. In fact, nothing. Portal <laughs> Manipulator looks pretty cool. Two Azorius Azorius, so four total for a 3-2 Flash Human Wizard. When it enters the battlefield during the Declare Attacker step, choose target player and any number of target attacking creatures their opponents control. Those creatures are now attacking that player. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's not just a fog. It's a fog that pushes the damage over to somebody else, which is even more fun. And I would imagine plenty of people will fool around with this just for the laughs. There's uh, So we're, we're, for those of you who are trying to find where the hell these cards are, these are the ones coming in the clue set that we're talking about here. So Corporal Projection is going to be something that is only found in the clue uh, package as well as uh, some of the others that we're going to get to. So just so everybody and knows. I, I guess that does mean they have the, the potential to take off because I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that clue thing is not going to sell well. I am going to buy at least one just to have the cards because some of these cards are pretty amazing. I wouldn't buy it early because I bet you it'll be on discount later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. But... Uh, a lot of these things are just really ridiculously good. Uh, I really enjoy the uh, Lonis, the genetics expert, the one-two with Evolve. Yeah. One, 
one hybrid, right. hybrid, green, blue for a one, two snake elf detective. They really just couldn't help themselves with the subtypes this time around. No, the detective thing's crazy. It's got evolve. So whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, if that creature has greater power or toughness than this creature, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So Lonus is going to get a bunch of counters because most things are going to be bigger than it for a while. Whenever one or more counters are put on it, investigate that many times. Whenever you sacrifice a clue, put a plus one, plus one counter on another target creature you control. So Lonus is yet another Hardened Scales, Ozolith-style card that fits right into the Counters Matters decks with Atraxa, where it's just going to do tons and tons of work. (laughs) Tons and tons of work. Very good card. So I would imagine that's got a chance to take off given some time as well. They also showed a Sludge Titan, first new titan in a while four green black green black for a six six zombie giant unlike uh grave titan which was somehow forgotten and not made a a zombie this one is so six six trampled zombie giant when it enters the battlefield or attacks mill five and then put a creature card and or a land card if i'm among them into your hand that's pretty solid very very good card I... i mean there's a lot of good six and seven casting cost creatures these days but this is pretty solid uh, we're going to see some shenanigans with... Uh, I'm sorry, you said Portal Manipulator already, didn't you? Yep. Yeah, I love that. Uh, we got the rest of the named uh, characters in the Clue deck, and probably the most busted one is Apothecary White for three and a white, three, four Vigilance. Whenever you attack, create a food token for each player being attacked. And then, as if that weren't good enough, White tap, and then tap X untapped foods you control... Create X11 white human creature tokens. James, on a average board with your Sam and Frodo deck, how many untapped food would you say you have at any given turn? Three to five by the mid-game. Right. So this is white tap, make three to five uh, one one white human creature tokens, and make a ridiculous amount of food because she doesn't have to attack. You just have to make sure you spread your attacks around. And once you start attacking each player with a token... You're getting more and more food and more and more food and just keep feeding everyone. It's ridiculous. This is going to be one of the cards that that really pops off and says how much will we spend on the stupid clue package. I I don't think this card's going to get expensive because it's relatively narrow application. Food is one of the most popular decks uh, in Commander than the last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the Samaphoto deck is popular, but there's not a bunch of other food decks. And so I think this card will actually be pretty cheap. But it's a it's a 9 or a 10 in the deck because Sam and Frodo, the whole thing is you're making a bunch of food, but there's a sub-theme where Frodo keeps getting in for free because the ring temps right. triggers add up and you get a mithril code on Frodo or something and he's just getting in over and over again and as you said she doesn't have to attack she just provides the ability to your attackers you're it's pretty easy to split those attacks and you get the foods whether or not you hit and it's you always got to pay attention is the trigger on damage or is the trigger on attacking because triggers on attacking are way better because you can throw a token out at the board and not care what happens you just want the food and then in this deck, of course, you're running things like Doubling Season, Parallel Lives, Anointed Procession, and, and other token doublers. And as a result, you know, Academy Manufacturer and so forth. So when it says pay a white tap, the Apothecary white, tap untapped foods to make humans, 
you've got your three food was six, and now your six foods are going to make 12 humans if you've got a parallel lives or something else. So this is very, very good in the decks that want it. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a huge spec target. The, the other one that's pretty cool that fits into another popular deck right now is Headliner Scarlet, three and a red, haste for a 3-3 human warlock. When it enters the battlefield, cre- creature's target player controls can't block this turn, so it sets up a free attack cycle. That's yeah, not, And that's kind of incidental because that's not actually the good part of this card, so <laughs> that's just bonus. That's the peanut butter to the jelly you're about to talk about. Yeah, at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library face down. You may look at it and play that card this turn. That doesn't sound like a big deal. There's tons of red cards that do this now. But cards, multiple of the Doctor Who commanders care about casting spells from exile, as does Prosper Prosper, and, and several other commanders. Uh, there's a green-red one that one of our pro traders plays against. is the one that makes wolf tokens. Right. Forget what his name is. It's out of the uh, Midnight Hunt cycle, I think. Anyway, this will fit right into all of those decks and uh, should find a pretty easy home, especially the ones that are attacky, like with the wolves. This this fits very, very nicely. Uh, they showed off Leyline of the Guild Pact, the first Leyline they've printed in a while. This is a five, uh, sorry, a four casting cost Leyline that can be has four hybrid: green, white, green, blue, black, green, green, red. It's an enchantment, of course, and if it's in your opening hand, you get to begin the game with it on the battlefield. If you do, each non-land permanent you control is all colors, so things like Bloom Tender get turned on pretty hard. Uh, I've sold (laughs) multiple Bloom Tenders in the last 24 hours, so that makes sense. And then lands you control are every basic land type in addition to their other types. So if I have this in my opening hand in Joda, I've just solved all my land problems. I mean, half your deck is designed to solve those land problems, so it's nice to have that extra bit. So I don't know. I, I'm not. I, I think I would test it in Joda. I'm not sure if I would if if it's important in my build to run it because it's probably got five or six relevant synergies beyond the land fixing. I, maybe it replaces Chromatic Lantern or something. Oh God, Chromatic Lantern is eighteen times better than this. Well, it depends on if you. I don't know if, if that's really true. Need all... This is this can't this can this can essentially be a chromatic lantern that comes into play on turn zero, right? Right, but that's if it's in. You have like a seven percent chance to get that. Like chromat this. If you don't have this in your opening hand, it is a hard cast. It's either quad green or some combination of green plus uh, the other four colors. I, I don't see this as a hard cast in, in Jota. I can get to this man on four pretty consistently with tri-lands, shocks, I, and so I'm forth. Not, I agree with you that you can get to this. I don't think you're going to keep this in your deck very long. This is going to end up feeling like a very mid-inclusion between the World Tree, uh, the Chromatic Lantern, and now this. This is clearly weaker than World Tree or Chromatic Lantern. Yeah, I, I'm not. I think there are other decks or other builds of Jota five color decks that where you're gonna if you build it around these kinds of synergies, sure. Eventually, you're going to have a critical mass of them. I'm not sure that we're there yet. So I I think that as a rare, not a mythic, and something with a crazy casting cost like this, it's gonna get very very cheap. It'll be total bulk. Yeah, this this will get there. One of the other cards that looked fun to me, although not necessarily amazing, is Outrageous Robbery. 
uh, X double black for an instant. Target opponent exiles the top X cards of their library face down. You can look at those and play those cards for as long as they remain exiled. If you cast a spell this way, you may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast it. So it's good and prosper. Uh, one of the use cases that might not immediately present itself when you look at it is that a lot of the tutoring effects end up putting things on top of people's libraries and because this is an instant and not a sorcery you can steal Mm -hmm. it off the top which is very nasty thank you very much i appreciate you finding the card you wanted is imperial seal to the top imperial seal is to the top yes vampiric worldly personal those are all to the top all the that whole cycle of tutors uh, absolutely goes to the top. Uh, yeah, let's see. Imperial Seal goes to the top as well. So worldly tutor, personal tutor, all those go right to the top of the deck. Now you don't get to cast any of these spells for free. So this just this, fixes this, the colors. Yeah, yeah. This, these would this would be way better if that that was the case. Obviously, and in the early mid game, it's not going to do much. You know, you're just you're getting a look at two cards on somebody else's deck that may or may not have synergy with what you're doing. So this is more cute than it is amazing, but there are definitely decks that can make use of this. Anybody who's running coffers, for instance, in a mono black deck can probably figure out a way to do do really silly things with this, where they're drawing. You know, it's basically drawing eight cards that that can't be knocked out of your hand, where you know it's not right. affecting your hand size and so forth. Uh, we got. Mega Blood Artist, uh, the Vein Ripper, the three triple black vampire assassin flying, has ward, sack a creature, so it's going to cost them a spell and a creature to get rid of this. But whenever a creature dies, target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. I have many commander decks that are looking forward to playing this card. I wish it was a vampire zombie hydra, so it could go into all of my typal decks, but I'll settle for it being uh, pretty ridiculous in a couple of them. And I think this is going to be a card I can't wait to get a lot of once it gets cheap. What was the casting cost on it? It's uh, six mana, three triple black. And does it trigger more than once per turn? Oh, yeah. Whenever a creature dies, yours or theirs, doesn't say non-token, doesn't say once per turn. You cast this, and if you have, uh, if, it, if you manage to untap with it and you cast a wrath, that should finish things off. This is not quite... Uh, Massacre Worm, but it's better and worse in some ways. Massacre Worm comes with the the mini wrath with it and deals the damage. This one gains you the life. There's just a lot of ridiculousness you can do with this card. It's also nice that Ward has the Ward is sack a creature, so they have to give you the trigger at least once. The, at least once. That's the game. And and obviously as a vampire, go straight into Markov. Straight into Markov. I still can't believe they haven't reprinted Markov. I guess they're just saving that for Innistrad Remastered next year. Possibly. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, there's, there's strong cards. There's going to be a lot of trash in this set because a lot of the, the, the core mechanics are not the source of most of the good cards, you'll notice. Um, You know, you've got the, the giant Sphinx for 7 mana that lets you collect evidence 10 rather than pay your mana cost. So that's a Collect evidence to... 10 is a lot. That is a to... lot. It's a lot. And I, I think you, print... if you're going to fool around with casting stuff for free, you're just going to figure out how to get Omniscience into play instead of messing around with this thing. Well, I mean, you could chuck one Omniscience from your graveyard in order to cast the second one. Because Omniscience is 7 mana, is 10 mana. I'm not convinced that the 
it's a creature, right? Like if, if it if it looks like it's going to be a problem, they'll just kill it. It's not. Well, it's the also the a only, seven mana creature. So yeah, the only other thing that jumped out at us, I think, today was Doorkeeper Thrall, one in a white for a one-two flash flying thrall. Artifacts and creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger. So I mean, this might have applications in modern where this this messes with elementals but also messes with evoke costs <laughs> so they get the creature but not the ability so we had hushbringer Jeez. and that has rotated out of standard so now we have this with let's see didn't hushbringer have a moment where it got expensive i don't really. i don't think this is this is destined for big money but there will be Decks that can use this to get rid of negative comes into play triggers. And it also affects artifacts as well as creatures. So th- there will be sneaky things to do with this. And it's got flash. I think we're going to see somebody... Uh, this is the kind of thing where uh, this is going to be a 50-cent card until someone embarrasses somebody else on camera with it on a pro tour. That doesn't happen as much anymore. But on an SEG tour or something, somebody would lay this down in response... And just you could hear the entire audience going, oh, my God, I just got pantsed in front of everyone. Like, this will absolutely, like, think about playing this in uh, assorted commander decks. You would find a time to play this that would just wreck your opponent. They're going to about to do something amazing. And you say, I'll just doorkeeper throw. I'm sorry, you were doing what now? Nothing? That's what I thought you were doing. Yes, yes. Thank I mean, the, you very much. the dream that you want to live for funsies is that you like have you do that to somebody, wreck their Snapcaster Mage attempt, and then you follow up with Hunted Horror or something, and you get a 7-7 seven, seven Trample for two. Boom, son. That kind of, that kind of silliness. But I mean, we're talking silly EDH here, not amazing EDH. The, it is a huge flavor win because it's a bouncer, right? It's a doorkeeper throw. So right. it's pre- presenting you from making a splashy entrance to the party by getting rid of your comes into play triggers. That is <laughs> pretty cool. I like it. I like All right, it. So next week we will wrap this up. Where can folks find you online, my friend? You can find me online at Twitter at Word of Commander or my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. And you folks can find me on Twitter at MTGCritic, as well as via my occasional articles on MTGPrice.com. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the MTGPrice.com Pro Trader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, seal product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5, that's finance with a number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Like you said, James, we got a few more reveals to go, and then we got the whole set. Thank you very much, Cliff, and we will see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.